Krishna, everybody. My name is Katamrita Devidasi, and I'm your host for Sankirtan on Australasia. Today, we have a wonderful opportunity to hear from Radhika Prasad and his daughter Mira and um, about their endeavors in, Austra in Australia distributing Srila Prabhupada's books. So, um, just to give you a little bit of a background on these two wonderful devotees. Um, Radhika Prasad Prabhu was born in South India near Hyderabad and he was raised in a very, very strict Mayavadi family and uh, somehow Krishna has saved him from his impersonal background and uh, used it to his advantage. Um, he graduated from university in finance um, and uh, began his journey in Krishna consciousness in 2001. He missed a bus um, from the northern beaches uh, to North Sydney, and he decided to walk to the station. On the way, he met a devotee who gave him a book, and um, he attended a Bhagavad Gita class. That's Radhika Prasad Prabhu. Welcome to the program. Hare Krishna, thank you for inviting us. Thank yes. you. And I didn't really get a, a bio from you, Mira. I mean, you're quite young still, so I'm not sure how extensive it would be. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I was born here in Australia, in um, Sydney, Australia, and um, I am 13 years old at the moment. Um, and I was, I think, I was born into this, like both my parents went Krishna consciousness um, when I was born and I've been like inspired from them. Wow. These um, book endeavors, yeah. I've heard that um, devotees that are born in a Krishna consciousness movement, um, at some point in time, uh, they make a decision themselves, they make a choice, you know, am I a devotee or am I just kind of born into this and that's what makes me a devotee? Do you feel like you've reached the stage yet where it's something that you've, you feel like you've personally chosen? Yes, I do because um, it was, yes, now that I'm like, now that I'm 13, I've seen what it is all about and now that I have a better understanding of it, then I think, yeah, I've kind of made my own decision now. That's so cool. Um, so I was just wondering, um, Radhika Prasad Prabhu, if you could just explain to us a little bit about, um, yeah, where you are in Australia and what you're engaged in in terms of service. And uh, yeah, just bring us up to speed with your journey. Um, my Krishna consciousness started in Sydney and um, I've always, most of my life, uh, lived here in Sydney. Um, so even the books distribution that I am trying, various avenues are mostly around, they call it Sydney or they call it Greater Sydney. Greater Sydney in the sense, it kind of expands maybe another 150 Ks, uh, northward, south and east. Not east, east will be in the ocean, <laughs> but north, west and south. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, mostly around here, um, the way it began was, I think, it, I was I was doing all kinds of services initially, bhakti rikshas and um, so many other services that are ad hoc, um, meal, like um, uh, food for life, so all kinds of services ad hoc. But one day, I think it, it maybe could be about 2012, I saw some brahmacharis return from their sankirtan. And one of the devotees was Ghansham Prabhu, who is now still in the temple. And um, after testing out all other services, this I thought was quite interesting. And I asked them, what do you guys, what did you guys do this morning? And they said, we were distributing all these Gitas in the Hyde Park in Sydney. What do you mean distributing? How, what do you mean by that? He said, we talked to people and we encouraged and we gave out books. And it kind of hit me like a like a load of bricks that you could actually do that. And I mean, I've seen Christians before, but usually Christians are just standing there with flyers. Actually yeah, or, standing or uh, megaphones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 800, like nearly pages of a thick book and you, stand, you actually persuade them and 
and who do you aim? And he said, anybody and everybody. I initially thought they were just looking for Indians or something. He said, no, anybody and everybody. So that kind of really started me thinking. I drove back home after speaking with Ghansham and other brahmacharis. I, I was driving back home and thinking, this really look, this kind of looks something that can stick with me for for a long term in my life. That it kind of just a seed planted in me. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, two months after, I ended up in New Zealand year-end retreat. And one day, Gurudev did a, one of the, out of the nine or eight days, Gurudev does one day, he does a whole Sankirtan seminar in the night. And the first time I attended, it was a combination of those both events. And I said, this is it. This is what I want to do. And standing on the, I, I despised before come doing books, like standing on the streets, doing sales was something I really despised. Like I didn't like it, but standing with books was a completely different, um, like refreshing. It kind of released me from all the prejudices. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, it was just, I really started for myself. Uh, I'm being honest. I really started for myself. I started that for my growth and my progress. And uh, over the years, it kind of started to seem that a lot of people are benefiting. And I thought, wow, this, wow, okay, let, let, let's let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, I can really relate with that feeling like, wait a second, where are you guys going? Where, what are you guys doing? And then all of a sudden you, you get out on the street or do a Harinam or start distributing a few books and you start feeling like, I feel like we're just having a party on the street, you know? And then, <laughs> and then when you're a part of, um, a sort of, uh, end of the year festival where everyone's ex- experiencing, um, that intense emotion that comes with distributing books because, the way it touches other people's lives, it can, it can be quite contagious. You feel like I'm missing out on something. Like if I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, you're completely totally related. Yeah. Um, so, do you feel since you started distributing books um, that your style has sort of changed over the years? And maybe you could explain how that's, that's... it might have began and then where you are now. That's actually very interesting. Um, initially, when I started, I, I used to watch a lot of videos. I watched hundreds and hundreds of hours of books distribution videos and hundreds of hours. And I took on, initially, I took on that, that 80s style, that 80s, 90s style. Uh, just on the streets, random people just stopping by, having chats. Over the years, something interesting happened. I used to watch the, I kind of started thinking, well, I was trying to persuade some one person, I was missing out on people that are walking behind me that could be more of a winner than the person that I'm trying strongly to persuade. Mm-hmm. I started thinking, uh, I'm starting, to, I started coming home and thinking, okay, there's a lot of productivity issues going on here. Mm-hmm. I need to do something about it. And one day it so happened, I used to do, uh, I still do, I go both Fridays and Saturdays. That that's two days are completely for books distribution for me. And I was walking, I saw this Jehovah's Witness rolling this little trolley with books and with this place stand, I thought, that's an idea. And we came up, um, we have a very nice devotee here, his name is Kirtan Rasa, um, you will know him. Uh, so I, we, he's a carpenter, right? a very expert carpenter. So I showed him a picture and I said, um, we need to build this trolley. And he said, oh, okay. Because rather than me kind of trying to coldly approach someone and stopping, if I have a trolley, I can just move the trolley with the books, have a sign over a trolley and the sign is attractive. And it's easy to maneuver in the city and move and find spots wherever I want to, rather than, you know, carrying the bag of tables and signages and all that. He said, oh, sure. He's actually very busy, but I think it it was just working well. Two weeks time, 
within two weeks, we designed a trolley much better than the ones that I had seen on the roads. It actually flips back and converts into a stand-up banner. And when, the, when it rains, I can flip the cover back inside to cover the books. And with the wheels, I can, I'm running around the whole city, stopping at corners and distributing books everywhere. <laughs> I was coming like I would go with a full trolley books and sometimes just many times come with just clean trolley. Wow. Because the, the signs were so, I had a few signs, like very attractive signs on there, like um, Bhakti Yoga, Manmana Bhava Bhakti. I translated Manmana Mad Bhakto into Mindfulness and Bhakti Yoga. Um, that verse from Bhagavad Gita. So I kind of made some banners and so many times I'd just come back with clean trolleys. And I thought that was really the breakthrough. Wow. It, that, that trolley really changed my life. So and, what were your numbers? Like when you went on a Friday and Saturday before you had the trolley, how many books were you distributing? And then now before, that you have the trolley, how many books are you distributing? Before, very, I, in, lucky, lucky I remember the numbers. <laughs> how could you I forget? <laughs> I, I would average like when I had the bag and just carrying in the hand and stopping, I'd maybe do um, roughly 30 or 40 books a week. Mm-hmm. But since I moved into trolley, averaging 150, 200. So it's it's a it's and really same amount of hours. Mind. Same amount of hours. Same amount of hours. So how many hours? Um, Friday maybe five hours on Friday, and Saturday six. So. 11 hours and coming back with 200, 250 books done. Sometimes um, even sets, like I have a set in the car. And That's then like talking, 20 books. That's like 20 books an hour. Yeah. We get flocked. We get like, sometimes there's a queue, Mira, and eventually I, I even started taking, initially it was just me for the first year. And then Mira turned maybe six Six, when she was six years old, I started, to, I kind of encouraged Mira, I said, Mira, this is sounding fun. You like, you do want to come and just wander with me for a day? She was only six years old. Sure that wandering is all right. Yeah, in the city or in some suburbs, we'll be wandering and I'll have books. You just watch me. And she said, yeah, sure. We'll have a day out, like daddy got a day out. She came two or three weekends and and eventually, like even before I was ready, she would be ready. Like from the fourth or fifth week, she was ready before I was ready. And she was standing at the door saying, Let's, Let's go. go, Dad. <laughs> Let's go. So, yeah, that's it. And we became a team. And we did that maybe like, the, we continued like that maybe for three or four years. And then Mira's grandmother, which is my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, she watched us and we were coming with these big, bright smiles, like yes. offloading hundreds of books. And she said, I want to come too. Of course. <laughs> and we, we really, really started getting into like big, big books, like big numbers and big books and big sets. Once she started, she has that because she's like 70 years old. She has more gravity, like more authority mm. than me to tell people like sometimes I used to even hear them saying why, like just straight out calling them and saying why are you wasting your life I'm saying hey hey can you, can you go <laughs> and I used to tell her can you go a little easy and she's like no don't worry that is fine she, she, she just put it like I think I heard that, yeah, um, that, out. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Srila Prabhupada, he would tell his disciples, he's like, you know, I have the gravity of age, you know, on my side. So when I say yeah. in a heavy way, people can handle it because I'm, you know, an old man. But then if you start saying it as a young 20 year old man, it's not going to have the same effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And even when they're giving donations, like it doesn't matter if it's Indians or Westerners, non-Indians, doesn't matter. She just look at and say, well, you seriously think that'll cover? Look at the big book. And I will, and you seriously think that will, will cover this big book? And I'm going like, don't worry, don't worry. Just, just take whatever, it doesn't matter. And she's like, no, no, we need to make sure people can, 
people get serious about it. That's very good. That's very good. We should have had her here with yes, you. Yes, she can do things that I can. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We, we should have had her here too. Yeah, next. hopefully next time, yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's her, what is her name? Um, Varada Prasad. So I'm Radhika Prasad, my wife is Kamala Prasad, and she's Varada Prasad. So Gurudev does a Prasad family. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's how it started. And now, yeah, we're lucky. Um, I don't know, 10 years or maybe eight, 10 years now. We're still on. Same Amazing. team. So um, Neera, did you start sort of distributing flyers to start and then small books and then gradually make your way forward? sort of like that so as I said when I was six I would just like actually all I would do is help dad carry these books and I'll just walk around behind him everywhere he went through the streets and where he was giving books I just bought it for him and um after that I started um carrying these um little books like chant and be happy and um small books like that and then I started doing like, I could only come with dad on like Saturdays. So on Saturdays I would come with dad and do maybe like one or two books a, a day yeah. <laughs> or, or like three. And then um, as I started getting like more experience on it, I started understanding what to say and what stopped people because a lot of times being like such a tiny kid, I didn't know how to stop like these towering people in front of me. <laughs> so um, as I grew older and um, I understood how people stopped and how to stop them, then yes, it became easy. And then I started doing like a Bhagavad Gita and even like um, kids who are younger than me, I if they saw like um, dad talking to their parents, they wouldn't feel as connected as it is me talking to them. I'm like, yeah, I was like five once and I was reading this book. So maybe you should read this book too. And when they see that, oh yeah, she's a kid too. And she's reading these books, then it's easier for me to connect and for them to connect back to me. It's amazing. So um, what's your favorite book to share with others when you're distributing books? Um, when I'm distributing books, it would be the Krishna book. So I've read the Krishna book. This is actually reading it again my second time. And when I'm um, showing it to kids, I like to show it to them by like showing the pictures to them. And once they get attracted to the pictures, I tell them, you know, if you actually are interested in the pictures, there's like a whole story behind it as well. Because like in the Krishna book, I'm sure, you know, there are so many like beautiful pictures and um I had gotten attracted by the pictures too when I was reading Krishna book and I can use that same attraction I had to kids my age as well and even adults like even adults get really inspired by the stories and I can even tell the kids how the stories are not boring stories they're like adventurous stories <laughs> in different scenes and that's like that's really something that encourages me to speak to people is about the Krishna book. Do you have a go-to picture in the Krishna book that you like to point to? Um, probably the picture where Krishna is on Kalia, like in the <laughs> ocean, because that is pretty adventurous. Yeah, that's a beautiful <laughs> picture, and it's like definitely very intriguing. Yeah. Um, when you're at school, do you ever um, talk to children your age um, about Krishna consciousness? So right now, um, the school that I'm going to high school is a very strict Christian school mm -hmm. because around this area, you find that Christian schools are more like decent. And so I don't get to speak as much about Krishna consciousness and Bhakti in a Krishna, like in a Christian school. But when I'm outside of school, yes, I do love speaking. I do love to like talking to them about it. So yeah, I do. Just um, not as much as at school. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you've um, uh, helped shift any of your friends' diets at all? <laughs> <laughs> um. They would, there's an interesting question they would ask me about my diet. They would say, is it a religious reason or is it a choice? 
And I like to say sometimes that my diet is a choice so that I can explain to them why I have chosen to have like the diet that I do and telling them about exactly why I don't and non-violence and all of this. That way I see a lot of kids who are vegetarian, they just say, oh, religious reasons and try and avoid it. Where I like to actually explain to them that this is my choice and this is why I'm doing it mm-hmm. to show that I'm not just like blindly following it but I actually know the reason why I have this diet so yeah mm-hmm. that's something I do totally and do you feel like when you explain to them um some of the reasons why you've chosen to be vegetarian that they're they feel like it, these are really compelling reasons like they're sometimes like oh okay yeah, they actually do feel, um, they feel like that I do have some, you know, very persuasive reasons about it. And they, and when I do share my insights and perspectives, because we're the same age, we can like talk about it and then we can understand each other. So yes, they do think that my reasons are valid. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Um, and uh, I guess, I was really curious um, if any of your friends from school who might not be Krishna conscious, um, if you've ever got gotten the chance to engage them at, in any service, whether at home or in any way. Um. Yes, I have had to in um different like situations. I do have try to engage them in devotional service, and one thing is that I got encouraged to like do this devotional service through my parents and the nature that I have, that I love talking (laughs) and um, that I love reading books as well. I'm a very, I'm a bookworm. So my devotionals, I got like encouraged to do this devotional service or book distribution because it was a good match of both. I like reading. And I love talking to and meeting new people. So I think uh, one of the ways I've always looked at encouraging kids my age is looking at their nature and their personality. For example, some of my friends might like cooking and then they, you know, they could even like cook prashadam or if they like doing like music, like, you know, showing them kirtan or even like kids who are creative, like, you know, painting so like it's really their personality and um I like to talk to them about how their personality they can use their personality and their nature in devotional service and that there's ways to do that oh that's so beautiful you're very intelligent (laughs) and um well-spoken I think you're the most well-spoken 13 year old I've ever met (laughs) (laughs) um I'm just wondering um because you, you said you're a bookworm. Sorry, what's that for me? She makes me look dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I've heard that if the fruit is good, then the tree is good. So um, it's actually all your credit, Prabhu. You have such a wonderful daughter. Um, so, um, Mira, since you like to read and you like to talk... Um, what is a what is a pastime that you often um, get strength from? Like if you're not feeling so good or inspired, or if something's happening in your life that you feel is kind of bringing you down a bit, is there any specific um, book or pastime or anything um, related to Krishna consciousness that you like to sort of draw upon? And maybe you can just explain how that gives you deepens your faith and gives you strength. So um, since I was little. I've always remembered the Balad Maharaj story about the confidence he had in Vishnu and how like Vishnu actually did come and how he was only five years old. So being little and growing up with that, it was like a child who had confidence. And so that encouraged me much more to have confidence because if I had seen like someone older than me, then I would sometimes think, oh, but I'm a child. But if I see like one, like an actual child doing it, it's so much more encouraging. So like before book distribution or any like situation that I'm in or um, I'm feeling like, you know, that I don't have enough strength and I always think of that pastime. Mm. I've also read um, the book, I'll Build You a Temple. 
I think it's only um new, but um during Jerry the Raj COVID, Maharaj's, uh, yeah. Book. yeah, yes. Um, last year I read the um whole book, and it was just such an inspiring book to read. It had like the whole um story of how a temple got built and the courage that all the disciples and Srila Prabhupada had. Mm. I'm also reading um, Srila Prabhupada Lila Amrita at the moment. Um, I'm only a few chapters in, but I just finished reading how he started translating and um, publishing the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And while doing this, when I got to read and understand how Srila Prabhupada had like his daily routine and how he gave up his money and his time to actually like translate translate these um, words and do these purpets. Um, it gave me like this new kind of way to look at the books that I'm reading and the books that I'm distributing, how much I can be put behind these books. So it gives me like a completely different perspective that's so much more empowering and encouraging. Mm. So, yeah, there's a few things that um. Lastly, I would just say that my parents have also, like my mom, my dad, and my grandma, they've also like given me this encouragement. So. Well, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> um, I was just actually remembering this amazing experience that I had once when I was at On Books. Um, I was with my one of my friends, Gita Govinda, and we had a book table and it had the Bhagavatam set on it. and. I think we were only out for an hour and a half that day, so it was like a quick in and out. And um, we had the Bhagavatam set, but no one was really sticking around the table long enough to really pitch the set. So we just um, stood over top of the Bhagavatam set and we started praying to the Prabhupada. And all we could really say was like, you've done everything. So here the books are on, um, like we're across from the train station in Wellington. <laughs> And um, all we want to do is just help others get access to these. So please bless us that we can like just just do this one little bit. It's like the, the last possible thing we could have to do. He's already done everything else. <laughs> so yeah, it's amazing. Like that reciprocation that you can get from Shri Prabhupada. Like that day, somebody came and we ended up distributing the SB set. And I know it was because of those prayers that we had and that connection that we felt with Shri Prabhupada and that you know just this this feeling of um, feeling a bit useless actually. Like you know he's done everything so all we have to do is just give them out and it's it can feel really hard but when you realize what you're connected to it shouldn't actually be hard at all so we just became like kind of in this frenzy and started just talking to everybody <laughs> so anyway um thanks for sharing Mira it just really reminded me of yeah how how much the Prabhupada is present with us on the street and how much um how much his blessings are over us when we're engaged in those activities. And um, it also reminded me what you were speaking about, uh, how Prabhupada, he, he didn't want us to just distribute the books, he wants us to read them. So it's really amazing that you have such a taste for reading it. It'll only you know empower you further and further in your distribution of Shri Prabhupada's books. Um, so um, Radhika Prasad Prabhu, I was, um, I, I mean, we've already been sort of hearing about how your family um, has become involved and it seems like they're all pretty natural, <laughs> but I'm just wondering, like some people, um, they may have, um, you know, just started the service or, and they might be a young Grihasta couple with young kids or, um, maybe people who, uh, have started doing book distribution later in their lives and would like to get their family involved. So do you have any advice to our listeners, um, for how they can persuade their family to come along and any strategies? Two, 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 two things I'd like to say, um, say to encourage. One is it has to be a fun family activity because I have that, that's, that's the onus I place on myself all the times for the past. That's the onus I place myself on. And that's how Mira got, into it because I'd make it look like such a fun thing and I like we're talking and she's just glued with the conversations and I'm I also joke like I'm 
I mean, looks like self-flattering, but I'm kind of little jokey on the streets. I don't. I just like um, I'm just quite light mooded, and I make people laugh and jokey a little bit. So I, I, I like to make it as a fun activity. The second thing I want to say is, for family, is streets could be daunting. The way I started may not be the best way for all families to start. I I just had to learn the long, like the hard and long way, maybe because I didn't have any role models at that time. But but the way I would encourage is if it's family day, don't don't start with the streets. The best way to do is speak to the councils around close by your where the where you're living. And f- and find a spot for like a non-profit activity. Like for example, in Sydney, I've spoken to I don't know 20, 25 councils, wow. and around Sydney in the greater area. Yeah. So what I do is I speak to them and ask the ask for them specifically for a charity table. That's the word we have to use when you're speaking to shopping centers or councils or anybody. Ask them we want to put a charity table, and they'll give, they'll direct us to a person who is responsible for that. And once we've um, demonstrated what the charity is about, I kind of tell them that it's an organic books on organic lifestyle, meditational lifestyle. Um, it teaches. Um, um, non-violence and also we, we are monks so the books are written by monks and they are they promote organic and natural lifestyles it's good for the community would you mind uh, to offer us a charity table um i i i only had maybe two or three councils said that said no everybody else said we're happy and it cost 30 bucks so it's in the scheme of things it's really nice because it's non-profit activity, they charge me 30 bucks for putting together a table. I enter with I enter it with, with a table, but eventually after two weeks, I end up with a whole marquee. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they gave me a spot for three by three meter. Initially, I go with a table, but in the fourth or fifth week, every council I do the same thing. And the next time they come and see me, I'm there with the whole marquee and the table and banners and trolleys and five people around me <laughs> and they were like wow you're making this big buddy <laughs> so and and it costs it costs like 30 bucks every time i go so <laughs> i would and yeah, it's much more encouraging for family because you, because you have signs you're not attempting this cold trying to go peek into these people's and knocking into coldly into people's uh, businesses like yeah. uh, going about going. so i find this is much that, more so with mm-hmm. is that in like malls or in shopping centers or where do you yeah. have mm-hmm. so the usually yeah good point so the way it works is councils usually have all their designated spots in their area and most of these spots will be around the major malls in their area okay. so they've already done the the homework and they've already got the maps and they've got the places where they would offer us. It won't be random. Okay. So every time I speak to a council, they send me, every council has a major mall and they've got like these letters like S, P, F or W, X kind of letters. They, they kind of put letters on their maps and I look at the streets and a day before I want, I send the application, I actually go myself. Yeah. I do a little wander about and get a feeling of which would be the better spot. And then I give them this number, they approve it. Um, we spend like, I go with the whole family. We, we're taking turns. And my wife, what my wife does is she's she's doing the babysitting, taking them into these rides <laughs> and face paintings. And oh, cool. <laughs> she does these henas on the hands. While she gives them breaks by taking them away from me. all these little activities mm-hmm. and they have a little picnic in the afternoons and before we know it's like the whole day by the end three o'clock we're packing and everybody turns and if hey, I never had a day when everybody looked at each other and said that was such a good day 
it's it's so much fun and and we're from monday we're all waiting for saturday already, like friday and saturday already like <laughs> that's amazing yeah, so, uh, how much in advance like for instance with these cancels like how far in advance would you need to be able weeks? to secure your booking two weeks okay so you two weeks so for example i'm booked out now i'm booked out until november 19 i've i've got all my permits in place i've got all my spots in place what is today 22nd of september i've got all my bookings and spots reserved and paid for until 19 november it's just a matter of showing up with my marquee and books it's all paid it's all the permits are there um just right here so all my i have a folder of all my permits fisher ghost festival hansby malls lenko malls and there's a big lula fair in the blue mountains so by now like after so many years they actually have my contact in the database and every time there's an event they actually they're inviting you yeah invite me. and it's now not a big it doesn't like absorb so much time because i'm getting invitations it's just a matter of jumping and completing the application and boom so yeah. booked out until year end already from now on from now yeah. amazing um i wanted to go back because um after hearing you <laughs> speak about um yeah just your organizational skills um i was just thinking um you know when you were growing up um in your very strict mayavadi family <laughs> do you did you like what what do you think at that time looking ahead to what you're doing now and with the maybe the frame of mind that you had when you were growing up what do you think you would say about yourself like what the things that you're doing now Oh you mean the difference between what I was and what I'm what, how the mindset changed Well more like if you were to you know um express what you think you would have thought about what you're doing now as a as a child oh, you know all right 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 okay with, with your my body brain <laughs> Yeah yeah that's a that's a very deep question that's a very deep question Okay first um If if I go back to my childhood and look at me now first I would I would immediately remove the word das from my name as as a as a ma- growing mayavadi child if I put my shoes back in that position mm-hmm. first I try to eliminate the name name out of like das out of my name because we were not raised to be das the servants we were gods like we were all we are all that's how it was it was a very pantheistic mayavadi everything is god like you are god um, you just it's just a matter of merging back regardless of what your habits are so the f- first thing is that das is not that fits the name the das in the name doesn't fit with mayavadi it doesn't go well because we are not servants we are gods that's number one um and the other thing the 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 The, the real problem i would have as a child is um the male and female god krishna and radha that is a real issue there because the way we used to see is um, um it's just a big kind of corporal power it's not like an individual two persons having pastimes mm-hmm. and let alone assigning genders to them that's completely out of question mm-hmm. so the and dt and um, that's the ma- the the male and the, the female god that's that doesn't fit and finally dt worship like it is the, that's the if we don't if 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 we don't understand the, the scientific nature of the dt worship as a kid if i looked at a krishna i actually saw krishna devotees when i was young i had actually a neighbor who was just a neighbor when i was growing up who was always in the morning he used to look at us and say hari bol and i was what is so it we, we didn't and then he used to go every when i saw him go in front of the deities 
it, it really annoyed me. Like I was thinking, what is he doing in front of a stone? So these would be like real major kind of hiccups if I was still continuing to be what I was when I was a child. And it takes a lot of um, understanding and well, uh, even until now, even scientists, they cannot explain what matter is. So if they cannot explain what matter is, how can I take DT so lightly? Like it's the whole thing is, is uh, I can go on for hours and hours. It's, yeah, it, it takes a lot of courage to understand these things like personality of God, deity worship and wanting and the das in our names. These three things, it, it's, it, it really needs some courage for my audience to accept. Wow, that's amazing to explain it in that sense because I think that a lot of devotees, when we think about a Mayavadi um, philosopher, um, Mayavadi practitioner, we just think of somebody who's at kind of like a very basic level of understanding. But mm-hmm. you you don't often realize like that even though it's such a basic understanding, it, there's so much pride, and that the pride it, it actually it inhibits somebody who actually has like kind of a good foundation to grow from to not grow because of those um uh yeah those impersonal tendencies um so when you um when you missed your bus and you wandered into the temple and to and into a bhagavad-gita uh workshop so why did you sit down if you had been brought up in this way? And what was it that was compelling you to continue? Oh, God, this, this, is, this is going to be very embarrassing, but I'll say. <laughs> I, I was a student and it, like cooking and making food was the last thing I wanted to do when I go back to my room, to my accommodation. So I just went in there and I saw Radha Krishna, Radha Krishna my left hand side and opposite was sitting this old man and I'm thinking who is this old man and why did they why did they carve a whole deity out of him and I was thinking and someone came and I asked someone who is this old man and someone said that's Srila Prabhupada he is founded Acharya but that's okay I mean I don't I mean first I had a problem with the deity of God and then you have a deity of an old man here and I'm saying, master. <laughs> And I'm thinking uh, there's some real issues going on here. And I was, I just took, I just drank the water. I'll tell you, really, the water was so nice in the temple. And I took some, I drank some of the water in the temple and it it started, I don't know what happened. It started kicking in. (laughs) And I don't know. So it really started kicking into me. And I said, there's something about this water in the temple. And I was. Was it Acharnamrita? No, oh, it was just normal water from the tap. They had a little tap there. I drank the tap water and I was thinking, I've drank tap water all my life, but this is not normal. <laughs> I, I keep telling everybody in the, I keep showing everybody in the temple that tap every time I go and people are bored at this story now. <laughs> and and I was just, I said, oh, it's all nice. Set up. I like those books. I picked up, I think, uh, Vedic Astronomy and... Uh, um, Vedic mathematics written by Sataputa Prabhu. So there's, there's there's no way I was going to pick up Gita and read straight away because that is going to be that was that was going to damage my pride so much. So I took up uh, Vedic astronomy and uh, um, Vedic mathematics. Sataputa Prabhu. Because those are the two books I picked up. Two in days and eighty bucks was too much, but I said, all right, yeah, do it. I paid and I was about to leave. And Padmanayana Prabhu, who was Atmaram Prabhu's student. He came and stopped me and he said, where are you going? I said, I, I think I've done my tour. He said, um, stick around a little bit because we're going to have a feast. We have a very good food. I said, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> so, which meant I had to stay another hour, which meant there was a Bhagavad Gita class by Atmaram Prabhu in between. And once Atmaram Prabhu did the Bhagavad Gita, like one hour of he's a really chronic philosopher mm-hmm. really chronic and once I, he did that philosophy he can mix both west and east very well he can blend it very well he doesn't make it sound like doctrinal and once I heard that and then the feast came out and I couldn't stop going there 
I just kept going back again and again and again. Hey, but hold on, because I heard that you did stop going there because somebody told you that your next step was to get initiated at some point in time and that you ran away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that, that was... Yeah, yeah, I cannot forget that. So can you just like run us through your mentality? So you had been going for, I guess, a couple of years at this stage, like maybe one or two well, years. You'd been I was, the classes, eating the facade, understanding a little bit more, and then you kind of just freaked out a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I was really liking everything. It was all good. And I was dancing with brahmacharis. And, you know, the initial, I was, I was also kind of a brahmachari in the quotes from an impersonal perspective because, and, um, I wasn't married, I was celibate, everything was, I would tick all the boxes. And um, I was jumping to the roofs in the kirtans, like right up the roofs. People would carry me on the shoulders and we were jumping, really having fun. And after a few days, after a few years, sorry, I was, I was just sitting by myself outside and having a full big double plate of prasadam. And this Brahmachari, his name is Guru Shakti Das. I met him after 12 years and he reminded me. And after, sorry, 14, after 16 years, I met him and he reminded me, he's still in Govinda Valley. He comes to Govinda Valley. And he came to me, he approached me and he said, I've been watching you and you look very enthusiastic and I think you can be a good, um, like a devotee material, but there is something you got to do before that. One, I didn't like when he said, you can be a good devotee. I said, I'm just having fun here, so don't try to convert me. And then the next thing he said was, the next step for you is taking initiation. So, uh-oh, oh, oh, I think he crashed the boat there for me. I was like, oh, no, no way. No, you are pushing your luck here. No way. Initiation, accepting a guru, bowing down in front of him. And he's actually as good as God because he's a representative of God. I said to him, you lost me. You lost me. And and another thing I thought was, another strong suspicion I had was, I thought he was actually trying to be my guru. This okay. combination of, there's a combination of two things going on. One, I didn't like the idea of gurus. Two, I thought he was trying to be, he, he was proposing me to be my guru. He wasn't though, right? And, no, no, he wasn't. He was very, being very nice. He was just guiding me to his guru. That's okay. all he was doing. Okay. I just, I was just complicated. And I was just complicating it myself in my mind. <laughs> and that's it. I dropped, I dropped the ball. I didn't go back. I was petrified. I used to watch people chanting in the rooms. And and they had, some people had their Gurudev's pictures in front of them. And I, that's it. I said, that's it. I'm out of here. And I ran so far away, I'm not coming back. None of this business here. Because if one person has started talking, I'm sure very soon a lot of people are going to talk about this. No way. Um, yeah, I really ran away and I never went back for a few years, actually. How long? And Yeah, uh, four maybe, three, four. Four and a half, yeah, four and a half years. Four, four and All half. right, so who, who hooked you and pulled you back in? Uh, Kaliya Krishna Prabhu in Sesnok. There is, we have a new Gokula farm in the greater Sydney area. It's called Hunter Valley. So I was just doing a casual visit. I, w I was an agricultural banker. I worked in, in Commonwealth Bank for nearly two decades before I retired in 2020. So I used to go into all these interior parts of Australia. I travel more Australia than Australians. Because I was in agriculture, so that was my, I would, I, would, I went everywhere, like almost. And um, I was in Cessnock in Hunter Valley, agricultural banker, just doing my rounds in Hunter Valley. Someone told me that in the, there's a Krishna temple in the nick of the woods here. And I said, okay, this is far from Sydney, so nobody's going to force <laughs> me. <laughs> nobody's going to force me to. You thought you were safe, huh? I was, yeah, I thought I was safe. Nobody's going to force me to accept a guru or take initiations here. Okay, this is going to be safe. So I'm just going in there, just knocking in there. I knew exactly how a temple works. 
I knew exactly how the etiquettes are. I knew exactly what to say to people. So it was just spontaneously, I was doing the right things. And someone was noticing me all the way through doing the right things in the temple. I didn't know that. And that was Kaliya Krishna Prabhu, who's the main person in the farm. He just, he noticed me being like this touch me not kind of guy, but doing all the right things. And I, I took my prasad and I ran up the hill. So nobody would come and talk to me. I did all the right things. I took my prasad, ran up the hill, so nobody talks to me about gurus again. And then Kali Krishna Prabhu, after 15 minutes, he actually started climbing up the hill to me. And I said, oh God, what? who is this guy? He came and he sat next to me and he said, I'm watching you, you do all the right things. You said Hare Krishna to me. I said, yeah, yeah, I know the, the etiquette here. You chant? Yeah, I know. I know the whole thing inside out, don't worry about it. And he said, so what's, what's the go with you? Like, well, do you do this regularly? Like, how long have you been? He started asking questions. And he kind of sensed my, like, rebel in me. And I don't know why he felt to do it, but this is exactly what he did. I mean, the last thing that would work on me worked. He's, he took he started just sitting in front of me and then he just started singing Kunti prayers in front of me. Just one after another, one after another, one after another. And he stopped at two verses, particularly one is that Edamada Manapu Puman Akinchana Gochara Naivarat Abhidatumbai Tom Akinchana Gochara. He says, um, Kunti, Kunti Devi says that pride, people with pride and good births and lofty educations and strong backgrounds, they're so prideful, they will they will they will never see you because you're Akinshana Gochara. It's it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic word. And then the next thing he sang was uh, give me more troubles. Vipadasantu Guru. Akinshana Gochana Gochara, it means um one who is obtained by those who have nothing. Yes, yes, correct. And um, so he did, he, he spoke about um, the, the pride people who don't uh, get Krishna until they become pure in their hearts. And, and then the second point he said was, give me more troubles because when I have trouble, I can see you better or something like that. And I, I asked him to stop. I said, like, who speaks like this? And uh, who, who speaks like this? And he kind of explained the whole story about Kunti and literally I was in tears. Like that was the last thing that would have worked on me if I was like 10 years backward, like reversed my life. And for some reason, then when he read the Kunti prayer and, and ended and uh, he, and then he, after he read, he went into that little room, came back with a big, bag and Tulsi beads and Bhagavad Gita, he placed it in my hands and he said, can you promise me you'll look after this until you die? And I said, yes. So that kind, that was where the whole transformation happened after I went back. And then a few months after I met Devamrishwar Maharaj and I said, if, if he can answer my question he he can be my guru i was it was like i'm being very charitable to him that that's how much my pride was <laughs> so so i asked him like okay if you can answer oh, how my lucky question he is. <laughs> i know that that's how much that's how much i was full of me and i said if you can answer my this my question then i think i'll think about becoming no, I didn't. I wasn't proposing to be his disciple, but I said there's a good chance I may be, I may be get initiated to someone at some stage if you can answer this question. And I asked him, epistemically, epistemologically, because lucky, fortunately, he's a good scholar, so he understood what I was trying to say. I said to him, epistemologically, how do you know you actually make spiritual progress? without sentimentally, just, you know, by dresses and 
you know your culture and all that epistemologically how do you know you're making any spiritual progress i think i just asked the right question to the right person yes <laughs> it has, it just happened and he's a scholar so he understands epistemology very very clearly and he said ah oh, he raised his brows and he said oh shankara background and talking about epistemology <laughs> he was like mm-hmm, we have a discussion here boy and he said there is three signs i can give you epistemically number 1 your fever for material acquisitions will come down if you're progressing that's number one sign number two which is more important than number one is you'll stop identifying yourself with your body number three you will be extremely ethical way how you progress and i was like ah, the, the, i think um I just bowed down to him and he and next he asked me did you read bhagavatam and chaitanya charitamrit I said no and then he put I still remember he put his foot down shot his finger at me and I said next time I meet you I want you to completely have read the books and meet me again I think he took that prerogative because he understood that I'm I already I know the um the discipline of spiritual life and then he took that authority and he just shot this finger at me and he said next time i see you i want you to read the whole thing and come back to me so i think maybe 7 months or 8 months i read the whole whole the whole thing <laughs> maybe little bits here and there still left but really did the whole thing and i went to new zealand and i met him i said I, you you had asked me to read and i i did he said You said that was fast. <laughs> and and that's the and I asked and I said to him would you like would you consider if I wanted to be a disciple? And he had this big smile and was looking at the sky and he said you made me so happy. You read everything you like you really killed your pride by reading that. Oh. So why wouldn't that He was like why wouldn't I initiate you why wouldn't I make you my disciple he was like doing this <laughs> with his hands in the air like why wouldn't I make you my disciple so yeah, that's it. that's it. that's what happened what a beautiful story thank you so much for sharing this it's so incredible um that experience that you had um at the temple when you were on the hill like yeah it's um it sounded like krishna really just arranged for this big-hearted devotee to just come and give you like so much compassion and mercy and then because of his like sincerity just your soul just cried out you know like what why am i keeping myself from something yeah. so fine yeah yeah really that's exactly what my feeling was yeah mm Hi Krishna. Um we're at our time for today. Um so I just uh I just had a couple of questions rapid fire. Um so yeah. you can only answer with one word, okay? So I'm going to ask Mira first and then I'll come back to you for both. Okay, when you think of Shri Prabhupada and book distribution, what's the first word that comes to mind? um dedication Okay, what's your favorite prasad? Halwa. <laughs> um if you could be um the queen or the empress of the world, how would you utilize your power and resources um to spread Krishna consciousness? Oh, if I was the queen of the world. Yeah. Um <laughs> Um if I was the queen of the world I would try my best to train other people in these books encourage other people in these books and you know just like lead by example if I was the queen <laughs> <laughs> That's a 
that's perfect training. Also, I, I would wear a crown. I would wear a crown. Okay, and um, ten years from now, um, when you think about where you are now and where you want to be, uh, what quality would you like to develop? Have fully developed in ten years. Um, the quality that I would probably want to develop is tolerance. Yeah. I guess, I guess we're going to need a lot of that if we're going to keep distributing books, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> okay, Erotica Prasad Prabhu. Um, uh, what was the first question I asked? Do you remember, Mira? Oh, when you think of Prabhupada. When you think of Prabhupada. Oh, yeah, when you think of book distribution, what's the first word that comes to mind? Uh, compassion. Compassion. Endless, endless compassion. Um, and uh, if you're the king of the world, how would you utilize your position to distribute Krishna consciousness to the masses? Yeah, I, I mean, the first... Oh, very good question. Because... Um, I really think uh, the the current educational system, universities, has one two way to to the left. I would somehow try to influence the universities to come back to middle in the balance, because previously they used to be too far into the right, and now they swing too left too far into the left now. I would, if I could, I would use my power to finance or do something about it and and kind of adjust the current educational Adjust. systems to come back to the balance rather than this extreme leftist uh, mentality. Yes. Um, that will be a good opening to start introducing pro proper philosophies like ours. And what's your favorite prasad? Oh, favorite prasad. Um, Never go to <laughs> Sorry, I think it cut out. What was it? The, uh, pizza for main and uh, sweet rice for dessert. <laughs> yeah. um, well, thank you both so much um, for sharing your prasad with us. <laughs> your <birthday>. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Um, we want to thank you. Actually, it was so you made it so um, you made it such a fun activity. Thank you. I really hope that we can meet each other one day. It's, I'm I'm feeling very drawn to Australia, and I want to come do some books with you. <laughs> I'm gonna come Thank up you with, so. with you and your um, grandmother Mira one Saturday. I want to hear some of those lines. <laughs> Did you know Kayla Tirtha Prabhu comes every year and Does he it? goes with us to? Yeah, he comes. No, I every didn't. Every year know. and every year he comes. He stays with us in our ashram. Wow. And oh. we got uh, books and some, uh, we went to Hansby one day and uh, yeah, it'll be really good. Come, come, when you're here in Sydney, come here. And uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we kind of, uh, it's kind of a big property. So we have plenty of space. We can do <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm just going to um, sign off now. So thank you everyone to been listening. Um, and I hope that you've written down some of uh, these incredible tips on uh, organizing yourself for mass distribution of Shri Prabhupada's books. Um, and just to recap, um, contact your local councils, book book tables, and expand your book goals and distribute a lot more books. That's what and I'm uh, finally, sorry, mm. I can send the blueprint of the trolley, how to build a trolley, a blueprint like a little video that shows oh how gosh, to build so a book right. trolley. Okay, well, Prabhu, what you could do is um, if you have a video of it, um, upload a video to YouTube and then t um, put it in the, um, we'll put it in the description okay. and then that way people can go to it. Sure, sure. Okay, cool. So send that over to me on WhatsApp and uh, Hare Krishna everybody, have a wonderful day and wonderful uh, life in Krishna service. Hare Hare Bo. Hare Bo, thank you.
Thank you again for listening to Sankirtan On. Please feel free to subscribe and share with your friends for regular updates and inspirational stories on how, by giving, we grow. Thank you for sharing this time with us. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.